Welcome back to Hit Refresh podcast. Today we have another guest with us and this is going to be really great. So we have with us Vinny Porestivo. Vinny was a MTV talent executive from 1998 to 2007. He has helped various artists and celebrities claim their brands and their narrative in the original way of unscripted television. Personal brands Vinny has helped elevate throughout the years with their original content is Mandy Moore Ashton Kutcher, Jessica Simpson, Ashley Simpson, Tyrese Gibson, and boy, oh boy, does the list keep going on. And he's not only done that, he's also helped corporate brands by Winnie Policy for Entertainment. And he has worked closely with Macy's, Samsung, and Nikon. He also was the guy who helped the pop royalty, and he casted them in their first TV films, such as Mandy Moore and Beyonce. So a producer, a talent executive, turned media brand advisor, personal brand strategist, content coach, and the host of I Have a Podcast. Welcome, Vinny, and we're so glad to have you. Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you. And what a cool, thank you. It's so cool hearing you mention some of my favorite people in the entire world in the introduction. So I'm, I'm humbled yeah. to be in their company. Thank you. Thank you for doing all the wonderful work you have done. And thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us on our podcast journey. So firstly, like, how did you get into this business? How did all that happen? Because we have read that you were in Wagner College and you were pursuing Bachelor of Sciences and you were interested in computers. So how did the transition happen? Yeah, um, it's a great question, by the way. And you did your work. I appreciate you doing the, uh, the, the due diligence there. Um, you know what? In high school, I got the bug to work in TV, and I found an internship at a local ca- at the local cable station on Staten Island. And in that internship, I learned how to be a studio engineer. I learned how to record video, how to manage data. Um, computers was always in my blood. Com- selling computers, fixing computers, well, actually breaking computers first, <laughs> and then learning how to sell and then to, to work on them has always been in my sort of blood. I've always been the creative on set who also can fix your email and get your Wi-Fi working and, ch- and change the settings on your computer to, to <laughs> work. And, and it was that computer skill set. And I worked in the in the computer center at my school because we didn't have Wi-Fis. We didn't have Wi-Fi in the rooms yet. So we had to go to a computer center to have access to like, you know, like desktop computers. And um, and I learned, you know, SQL and and data and database. And like I'm, I'm I, I can HTML and I can code a little bit. And yeah. um, uh, I got my first job at Credit Suisse First Boston as a as a, da- a, da- a database engineer. And I worked on uh, Y2K compliancy because, you know, everyone thought the earth was going to explode and Times Square was going to shut down yeah. Y2K. And. And also the Euro came out um, the year that I graduated college. So there was a lot of compliance issues with that. So I, I had a, I thought I was going to be in, I thought I'd always be like the creative guy in, in the tech world, to be honest. Yeah. And um, as luck would have it, uh, uh, I was walking by Times Square one day and I saw a crowd of people and I went over and I started cheering like everyone else was and the VJ um, Ananda, she asked me to ask a question and I made some friends with the producers and casting directors. And and ultimately, I got to bring my skill of organizing, my skill of creating databases, my skill of organizing content. And I got to help one of the, honestly, and I get goosebumps saying this because I'm so lucky I got, he was my, like, to, to be my boss, I'm so lucky. But I got to work with one of like the most 
prolific producers in, in pop culture. Uh, a guy named Rod Asa, who still is the head of Unscripted at NBC and oversees E and Bravo oh. and Oxygen. And he brought true crime to Oxygen and he brought reality. He It was a, a, a lunch with Sharon Osbourne that led to the Osbournes. And it was a convo with Joe Simpson that led to the newlyweds with Ashley Simpson and Nick Lachey. And it was a, a many conversations with Ashton to ultimately get to what became punked. We might talk about that in here because that's a that, that's a fun yeah, story. Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah. How we landed on the actual version of punk that we ended up seeing versus what we developed internally. So that'll be a we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit because there's some super cool stories to learn from these people that I was so lucky to work with. Yeah, no, that that's really interesting because all what you have mentioned right now is what I am learning as of now in college. So I can totally relate with you. And yeah, I am a huge fan of the series Punk, and boy, am I excited to like listen to the stories of how it came or how it happened and but yeah this is all like so in exciting and amazing i love that yeah well punk you know punk is a story about adapt so 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 i grew up watching hidden camera shows and i you know am the oldest of six in my family so as the big brother you know i tend to be the one who pulls the pranks and, and is the, the 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 mastermind behind you know all the devious you know ideas that that my siblings got in trouble for um punk was was interesting because punk was not ultimately um celebrities playing pranks on celebrities was not the version of the show that came into mtv um, in fact, it was it was actually celebrities playing jokes on regular people. The idea that the idea that you were this close to your you were a fan and you were this close to your ultimate celebrity and you didn't know it until the very end, or there was going to be some super cool piece of 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 the show that came back to um, you, you love this artist so much, you think you know them so much, but yet they were right underneath your nose the whole time and you had no clue, you know, they were there. And, and what that show turned into was, to be honest, because like Wilmer and, and Ashton and Dan, they, Danny, they would talk about playing pranks with each other on the set of that 70s show. So I knew I knew that they did that in, in, in each other's like green rooms. And the idea that you create such a gigantic prank, such a gigantic punk, such a gigantic, ridiculous concept or 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 change the given circumstances to such a way that it's so unbelievable that this could never happen and yet they believe it that that became you know the project it was never about you know pulling a joke on a single person it was more the psychology of like how how big can we go how far you know can can we take that and yeah. and ashton man he was so awesome to be to be in a room with him to 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 you know i went on to work with him and catalyst his production company after i left mtv for a little bit and we did some shows that um hit hit other networks and uh to be in the room with him when he's pitching you know he listens he sits there and he listens and it's it's almost like someone's giving him a script because he literally takes those words and then in the next meeting he's incorporated all that feedback all those words already into you know the the vocabulary that he's using to wrap around these projects so that and that's what people have to take away from you know are only his words and his actions and his 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 energy to maybe but that could be misrepresented so it's just super cool to see him in in that and and he pivoted you know he did not want to be the host of punk and he would still say he never was the host of punk he was the face of punk but he would say he didn't want to be seen as a host you know he didn't want to be seen as a vj he didn't want to be seen i mean he's a movie star and 
the lead actor in a huge, you know, hit sitcom on network television that's, you know, a global hit, you know. So why yeah. would why would he possibly need to host a show on cable, you know? Uh, but it was that challenge, it was that that adversity that he had to overcome because he knew that punk would be a lot bigger if he was in it than if he was out of it. So he had to figure out a way to get himself in it where it was a little bit more deconstructed. And like, if you remember the original punk, he's sitting on like a wooden stool in a black box and there's like kind of, you almost feel like he's alone and the cameras are just rolling and it's just like a producer talking to, but what that did was it put the visual of Ashton Kutcher, the producer, it put that visual in front of everyone watching that show and he became a producer and has continued producing every single project he's ever been a part of since then and that that's what's super cool about punked is how it was able to take a huge tv star and arguably a, a really big film star and and make it even bigger and i think that was that was super cool to see that happen in action yeah it's super cool to hear it and i mean i can't even imagine to like get to experience that and oh it's thrilling it's fun. Yeah. And, but also, you know, then I, I'm also wearing trucker hats and like, teach, you know, like there's also that phase of fashion yeah. where, <laughs> where you, you pick up, you know, what, uh, what, what the culture is sort of like throwing out there. So it was super fun and a great place to be for that at MTV. I have a favorite punk. Favorite punk. Oh, that, that's tough actually. But I guess, man, I'd have to really think, but okay. On the top of my head, I can think of Justin Bieber. That was pretty funny. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they thought he was going to fight. <laughs> and then, oh, that was, that was pretty, I, I, I think, I, I think he was like about to punch the guy. And I think he was like totally like seriously getting into it. But then boy, that was, that was like, things got heated up. Things got heated up, and I'll tell you what that um, that scene was one of the first scenes we shot. Actually, we, we punked Mandy more like the day before, and then we punked Justin uh. the, the week right after. And they both are in the same episode. Um, uh, but we didn't, you know, uh, but we didn't show him crying. It's yeah. not nice, you know. No one wants to see him yeah. cry. Like it's just like yeah. you know, it was supposed to be like a fun. And if his mom played it on him, so like you know, we have like it's not like it was our <laughs> yeah. she was in on it, but. Um, yeah. But we changed that in the edit because because there's that level of empathy that the we knew the audience would have where you know no one yeah. wants to see someone to the point you know of of crying um yeah so it's great to hear you say he almost like he almost hit the guy he was getting excited about yeah. it we, we sure did have to figure out how to fix that at in the edit <laughs> he was like there was that point they took it just to that point and then they knew uh, we have mentioned before that you have helped a lot of celebrities claim their brands so how exactly do you do that and uh, how can we as individuals uh, do this so that it will help us in our life? So um, it starts at the core, right? So like Jennifer Lopez is a great example because people know her now for so many things. But if you strip back all the years of how people described her, there were years that people described her as... Well, I was going to say an actress, but I don't know, <laughs> but as a dancer and as a singer and definitely as a fashionista, you know, as a designer, um, as an icon, just as an actor, she's just wonderful as an actor. Yeah. <laughs> she just has the ability to be herself. And that truly, 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 truly is a skill. Trust me, I 20 years of helping people tap into their inner creativity, their inner self so that I can take that piece and build media around it. So for example, 
um, you know, uh, 20 years ago when I started working with Mandy Moore, um, Christina Aguilera and Jessica Simpson and Britney Spears were already on the scene and each of them already had their own unique sort of strength. You know, Britney was sort of seen as the strong, as a strong dancer and certainly the first. Uh, Christina, maybe like the, the hardcore stronger singer who could also dance. Jessica couldn't dance, but was like that Southern singer. Mandy was an amazing singer, but she didn't have like pipe vocals that could blast the way that Jessica, you know, and Christina did. And she didn't have the dance moves that Britney, you know, had either. But she was just so authentic and sweet and showed up. And if you just created space to listen to the tone of the voice, if you could be present enough, meaning if someone would stand on stage and could sing and make that connection, then that that key, that precious piece is something that you can take and build on. And, and I think I took that, what I might call like the ideal little sister or um, in, in a lot of ways, it was the young, young woman who had yet to find her footing and stand as tall as she is now, to be really honest. I mean, actually, that's it. Is that what I said, what I saw in her was, was that she, she, she did as a 15 and early 16 year old, she did make herself a little bit smaller. I mean, she's 5'10". She's got a presence, you know, and she wears heels. So she's six one, six two when she, you know, at night when we go to dinner or go to an event or something. But, but she made herself smaller, and I knew the strength that she had in those shoulders and in those legs to carry what she could do. And and I did not know that she would be a huge TV star, and we did not know she was going to be a movie star, and we knew she was super talented. But I, you know, it, you never know who's going to see talent the way that you hope they do. And, and, you know, Disney did an amazing job on, uh, by, by offering her um, Princess Diaries, which ultimately created a relationship with that studio that led to Tangled. And it's just super cool to see the, how, especially someone like Mandy Moore, there's, she's not seen as an overnight sensation. She, she worked hard to get to where she is. Even Beyonce, by the way, um, you know, Beyonce uh, uh, has an adversity. When I cast Beyonce in Hip Hopera, Carmen, a Hip Hopera on MTV, like the label did not want her doing her own solo stuff. That would actually take away from Destiny's Child. So it was against wow. the label. The label did not want that to happen. Uh, I made that happen by going down to the studio one day and when, when they were on TRL and I made friends with her mom, with, with her mom. And if it, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have had access to, you know, and, and I knew that that, I mean, I, it was a great role. And again, Beyonce, it's weird to say this Destiny's Child in some, in some <laughs> way, here she is again, she's almost minimizing herself. It's weird to think of Beyonce make, making herself smaller to make room for other people in her spotlight. But, but she did it in, in, intentionally, you know, they both did it intentionally because because that because she knew that well she's just you know when you're a big star and you know your power and your potential and you believe in yourself you know and you show yeah. up and it's easier to show up once you once you truly believe and i learned that from a 15 year old mandy moore to show up for myself something that i had a hard time doing as a 20 something year old because i was like who am i to be casting vjs and finding celebrities to make tv shows about like who who am i and then the answer was i'm the guy that does that so like believe in it or, or, or don't. And I sort of love that. Actually, my friends helped me. My friends helped me get that to that part. Yeah. It's good. I surround myself with those people then because I like the belief system they give me. So I like that too. 
Yeah. And so it, yeah, does, we, it starts with one small thing. It starts with one small specific, usually a hard skill set. Um, with Mandy, she could host, she could talk really naturally. Jessica Simpson um, also tried to be, uh, we, I auditioned a lot of those, those stars and when they were, Jessica reading off a teleprompter wasn't easy for Jessica. So uh, live TV, you know, that could frazzle people if, uh, but, but if you want to sit on the couch and talk about, you know, chicken tuna of the sea, <laughs> she's your girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, like you recently posted a video of you uh, interviewing, I guess, college kids for uh, the role of a VJ in MTV News. And firstly, I got to point this out. I saw it and I was like, oh, you totally play the part of the cap held backwards, the scruff that totally, totally fits the role, <laughs> as you said earlier, <laughs> totally fits the role. And uh, so, yeah, the question what we had is that when you are picking people and people come and audition for you and uh, you I, I remember you asked uh, him like the the person there for which artist are they following nowadays and could they like talk about it so are those like small quirks that you look for like how they speak and who are the artists so to like understand their personality or like what is the thought behind those questions or how do you assess the person if he's right for the role and if he's not because in that video i guess even someone was like nervous and um, everyone gets nervous i mean that's but then uh, yeah. how do you like how do you understand okay no this guy is getting nervous but then he has it or she has it what it takes and it just you just have to remove the nervousness and she'll be fine and so how do you understand that yeah well and even then even in removing the nervousness you know in a room where it's just me and a camera doesn't give me the strong gut feeling that I could remove the nervousness from you if you were in a studio with 300 screaming people in Times Square with five cameras and one of them has a green light on and you're aware <laughs> of the size of audience that's, you know, so so some, some of it is awareness, to be honest. There's a psychology to casting that I loved. And I ask simple questions because I'm not trying to, I don't want you to think about, to be honest, I don't want you to think about your answers. I want you just to know them. I don't want you to have to worry about how you're saying things. Um, when I'm asking you, you know, where do you get your, your news? I'm not asking you because I care about the credibility of the sources. I'm asking you because I care about the credibility in which you you frequent looking for news. Like, how often do you look for news? Um, what type of news stories are interesting to you? That would also come up, you know, in that story. Um, I found myself as a casting director constantly in these worlds that I knew nothing about. And you know, my first few interviews in that world, I'm a, it's a lot of learning. I'm learning vocabulary. I'm learning. Uh, physical signals, hand signals, you know, I, do I make eye contact? Does, does eye contact intimidate them? Should I have them look at the camera? You know, there's lots of, lots of little things that I do to sort of, you know, set the room up so that I can understand how you would be and how the, the promise of what you could bring to the project could look like um, with my producer who's the one who's hired me, who's told me, hired me, find me the right person who can do, you know, X, Y, Z. Find me a comic who could travel and do this on the road at, at night and in the morning. And, you know, so like if, if you're not, if you show up late to an audition and people say like everything matters, but if you're showing up late and I know that this is a client who that wouldn't stand for, then I keep, I weigh that in. Um, but I ask simple questions because I don't want people stumped. No one wants to feel 
dumb or like they don't have the right answers or an, an answer. You know, I never, I try never to ask people like, what kind of books are you reading? Cause like, to be honest, not a lot of people even read. And then they're like, I don't read it. I write it. Does that count? And I'm like, I, I don't care. Just like, let's talk. I don't care about like, how you, <laughs> yeah. so now I would say like, how do you get books? How do you consume books? How does that, like, what's your relationship with books? Like what's the, what's the last book that impacted your life? Um, I also wouldn't ask somebody um, like, who's your mentor? Because I don't believe that I think, men, I'm, you're, I think, you know, you're, it's, a, it's a privilege to have a mentor. And I, I unfortunately know that not everybody has the access to an ideal mentor. So um, I've seen that question pop up a lot as I'm like judging Miss USA or judging, like I see that question pop up a lot and I always change it to like, who is someone who inspires you? Because that's a much easier question to answer than, you know, who's your role model? Oh, and you're judging me for like how quick I say it. And you think yeah. I care about the person. And meanwhile, I care about what's important to you. I don't care about the person. I care about what you're getting out of it, you know, for me. Um, and and as much as I'm evaluating you in that moment in front of me, in front of the camera with the lights on you, I also have my producer in the back of my head and I'm fully aware of what their needs are and wants and how they like to work with talent. I've, I've seen talent, I've seen it come down to like four or five people and one person just had a really funny email address. And I've seen that, you know, be what pushes it over. And by the way, I knew it would. That's why I put that email address in a very specific point part on on the one sheet because I'm like, you want to compare apples to apples? Okay, we'll compare apples to apples. If that's how you want to get to your, if that's what makes you comfortable as a creative to land on a decision. And part of my job in casting is to help people land because they have a preconceived notion of what they want, but they don't know you know, what's out there. And they certainly don't know what I'm capable of finding and bringing back, which is super cool. Actually, I think of, I had to go look for a new TRL VJ in 2005. And I found this amazing stand-up comic, hip hop stand-up comic in New York. And unfortunately, TRL wasn't quite hip hop stand-up comic ready yet. But I used this dude <laughs> on like another pilot. Um, and it was Utkarsh and Bootkar. And I was able, like, I'm so excited that I'm able to say, like, he was in, like, a, fa a failed pilot of mine on MTV. But, like, you see these oh, stars wow. that are now having their giant moments. You know, he's, he's, he's like the star of his own TV show right now on CBS. Actually, and so is Vanessa Lachey, who also um, was on TRL, um, is also yeah. the star of CBS, NCIS Hawaii. And then NCIS, oh, now I'm, now I'm just bragging. But NCIS normal <laughs> no, please. is Wilmer Valderrama. And Wilmer gave MTV that funny show, Yo Mama. So, like, it's super cool to see yeah. how pop culture continues to, you know, inspire and um, really impress and continue the conversation in, in community moments like that. Yeah, no, the journeys are really fascinating and how they've grown. And like a similar question which we had was, uh, we have many friends, uh, or like, for example, uh, like, okay, I'll go with that. So we have many friends who are uh, getting into like music and like they have made their own pages on Instagram, uh, their blogs where uh, they have, they play music or something like that. Like they have created their own brand. So our question was that, how do you increase your reach? How do you get the growth? But uh, to make 
our audience understand a bit better uh, we thought that we you can take an example of us you could just take an example of the hit refresh podcast and you could like explain how we can perhaps grow our podcast scale so that people can understand how the process happens and what yeah how it goes so for example you could have a reoccurring segment in this very show you know if you ever watch the today show they have a segment called pop start do you ever, yeah. you ever see the today pop start carson daly yeah. does it. like here's three things in pop culture to start off your day but that segment gets lifted out of the today show that two minute segment gets lifted out of the today show and it gets put on nbc news which then gets distributed to hundreds of thousands of blogs globally that pick it up because there are three kind of really funny segments also yeah all of these blogs are excited for that segment because the segment is published regularly. So there's a value in it because they know that they can expect it to come. They know that it's coming, right? So they can build the pipeline for it. They can tell their audience that they can get access to this information by logging on to their website. So by creating a segment inside of this podcast, what you might be able to do is um, work with an academic newspaper or an online blog, or maybe there's a specialty within, maybe there's um, a, a, a community or a, um, an association around your major that has some type of like Reddit support where you can be yeah. taking smaller clips and personally distributing them. Um, Here's another trick I'll teach you right now. This is, oh, ooh, you're getting good. I'm excited. About this one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you, ever go on, you ever go on LinkedIn and like everyone seems to have like a, something that they want to recommend. Oh my, this is the most amazing article you have to read. And you're like, you never read these articles. You post this every day. There's no way you read these articles, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, and the, 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 the process, the, the strategy behind that, right, is if I post something of high value and someone finds it, then they'll put they'll infer the value that they're finding on that article and I'll get rewarded, you know? So if I keep posting and publishing high value articles, then I will be seen as a thought leader, even though that's not even my thought, <laughs> but I'm just repurposing someone else's thought, but it, it's like-minded and I'm trying to show that I'm in the community and I'm trying to show mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So there's a platform called Q.co and it's Q U U U dot C O. And okay. if you go to that platform, that's how you, it's an, it's a, it's an aggregator. It's a blog aggregator. So what it does is, um, uh, you go in, you tell it, I want, you know, information about student podcasts, about this you know, entertainment and, and business. And based on those meta tags, send me articles that you think I would find attractive. And then I can automatically post those on social media. There's a way that you can get into that funnel so that the people who are posting all those posts are now posting your blog. So that's why having a segment within this podcast would then go on like a podcast blog page, right? And then it would be, I don't know, three, top three with my, our guests or however you know, we can come up with some fun, you know, um, wow, that was yeah. really bad. That was a really bad branding idea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's good, but the idea is- No, really but I to, I'll come back on a name on that, but. Yeah, and then, and then you have people who are automatically sharing your content. And to be honest, some of it, they're not even reading it, but most of them are because they want to be mindful of, of the content that they're putting out in front of the social, you know, in front of social media, they should be reading it, hopefully. Um, and that's like 
to be honest, I think it's like 50 bucks a month and that will get you on dozens of blogs for sure. And you'll see it in your SEO right out of the gate. So you'll, you'll see the reward. Also, um, one more thing is, you know, uh, IMDb pro does this podcast have an account on IMDb? Not as of now. So like that, that what a cool way to be able to, you know, put executives like me who are already on IMDb into, your podcast page and now i'm sort of attached to your page or and then and imdb and amazon and google you'll you'll see yeah. that in your search results in like the next day you you upload well, an image to your imdb pro page that will change in 24 hours you'll push you'll literally if if, if i have clients that want to push photos in their google search um you can do it with Instagram and you can do it with Facebook, but I think IMDb Pro is the easiest way to, to push photos from your Google search down because you can upload a huge amount of photos to IMDb Pro and they're so relevant. Um, so those are some, those are, those are small but impactful ways and that you help launch these brands. But you just make yeah. them more discoverable, you know, and you have to understand that there's no, there's no one global audience. And I don't fit into one audience. I fit into 20, probably dozen different audiences. So you yeah. you speak to me in different ways and different audiences. And I, I now expect that, you know? Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And we'll, we'll actually try to implement that because like, as, as of now, we do work, we do a post on LinkedIn. We have a segment in towards, but it's towards the end of the episode, which we kind of carry on and we post it on our Instagram and we do post some clips on Instagram, but I guess we are just exclusive to Instagram and LinkedIn, but then, yeah, we, we kind of like try to expand our horizons a bit more. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Uh, and why, where do you, where do you spend a lot of your time on social media? Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Then it sounds like you're in there. And, and yeah, are, you, are you doing reels? You got, you guys got a lot of reels going on. Yeah, sometimes we, we, we started recently. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're getting it. Do one of those 30 day challenges. You won't, you won't regret it. Especially yeah. if you have, sh if there's like three people or four people who you share this account with and you only have to each post once or twice a week, uh, do one of those 30 yeah. day reels challenges. You'll see growth, huge growth. That's how I'm growing my podcast channel right now with all the footage and quotes and things like that, that I'm getting from my yeah. podcast is all through reels. And I see it. You know, you can in your in your settings, you can see your total reach from the account and it breaks it up and it shows you your reels, your posts, your lives, your IGTV. And it shows you, you know, how much reach you're getting for each of those um, surfaces on Instagram and the reels surface is like by far the, the stickiest. So it's not yeah. not a hoax. It's the real deal. Yeah. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm like, I think I'm like day nine of like my 30 day challenge. I hate it. I'm sticking well, to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, we will try that out, surely. So uh, one question that we had to ask you is uh, that uh, we are again a group of uh, ambiverts and introverts. And uh, uh, if uh, what would your advice be to an introvert who want to make their name in, in the entertainment industries? Because uh, as we being introverts, we prefer being alone and the entertainment industry really demands a lot of socializing, uh, interacting with people. So what you do, what would you like to say to them and uh, what would your advice be to them? Oh, that's a great question. Cause I'm, I, I am an introvert too, and I prefer <laughs> this. So I, I like, so right now I'm just talking to like, it's just us. It's just the four of us in this room and I can, I'm, I can commit to that and I can commit to 
being 100% focused, having a conversation with the four of us, as if it's the most important conversation I've had yet today, because it's where I'm at, it's where I'm focused at right now. And that's where my focus is, as opposed to trying to understand if you like me or am I impressing you or should I be here or should I not be? I just know that I am and it's a given circumstance and I, I can either roll with it by saying yes and, or I can go against the number one rule in comedy and improv, you know, and say no. And, and it sort of, so for me, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, it's the approach to creativity that I think matters most. I have a very introvert approach to creativity. I don't go into a podcast studio with a producer who watches me interview celebrities. To me, that was too much pressure. It just felt, I don't know, maybe I'll get it, maybe, and that's maybe me not believing in myself, but also that's me giving myself, myself the space to perform at my best. And what I realized I could do is what we're doing right here, these Google chats. Like I, I have these with my, I have this with my clients. I do one-on-one -on -one chats with my clients and my clients, you know, are the same people who are also on my celeb, uh, who are also the celebrities that are on my guests. So if I could just treat my podcast, like, you know, I just, if you listen to my podcast, I have a very conversational tone. And then what I do is I go back in and I try to give it some, some infrastructure and I edit it cause I'm in TV. So I feel like I have to, and, and I, I do this like Doogie Hauser kind of like narrative, you know, this like weird, I stop reality and I jump in and like, that's me having fun and being creative more than trying to prove a point or trying to be an expert or try, you know, I, I, so it's just about how I frame, how I frame my approach to creativity. I don't think of social media posts as an event. I don't think of it as an amazing feat. To, I think of it as, oh, I, I have to stop working on this post for five hours because I have to get it out of here because I can work on, I could, I'm creative. I can work on things. If you don't give me a deadline, I'll work on it forever. <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, so that's if, that, if that helps answer, you know, a bit, um, but, but the technology and, and lean on technology. Um, if Zoom isn't comfortable with you, you can just, you know, you could do audio and you could do video only and if being in person, you, know, you you can eliminate so many of the things that, you know, that make it uncomfortable. And also you own it. Like you yes. guys own this. So there should be no, no fear about what's going to happen with it. Cause it's yours. Like whether it sees the light of day is, and how it sees the light of day is up to you. That's a really cool um, component of being a creator in 2021 that did not happen and did not exist 20 years ago, 10, even 10 years ago to be able, the level of ownership. And that's why you should, when I be careful about posting everything on Instagram, because then you give Instagram and Facebook partial rights. So you gotta, yeah. you know, the, the talent executive, some, you know, um, it's a little bit close to an HR talent executive in some ways, because, you know, HR, human resources, they're picking people, they're managing expectations, they're managing performance. And that's, that's what I did. Just they just happen to be, they just happen to have to qualify for on-air talent. So I actually worked really closely with human resources, with legal. Um, you know, those are two departments maybe you wouldn't think as a creative executive that I was so closely, you know, in touch with. More so than yeah. advertising 
or promo or even production, to be honest, because my job, my job is pre. So I go, I, everything's got to happen right before the show because nothing can go wrong after. If anything goes wrong after, then I didn't do my job correctly and then I got to get involved. So yeah, good. But that's, it's neat. It's super neat. And then, and then it's super neat now because, because programmers and copywriters and editors, we, they, they are considered talent. You know, when we work at a company, we're considered talent. And that didn't, that wasn't the case five or 10 years ago. So even, even for that explanation of what talent development means, I love that I've had this career doing it with celebrities in my first 10 years, yeah. but the last 15 years I've been doing it with founders and business owners and, and brands. Yeah. That's amazing. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, this was basically a follow-up question for the introvert part question. Yeah. So, uh, uh, which who was a celeb who you know, who you worked with, who was an introvert before, but who changed himself or herself so dramatically that he or she is a star today? Jessica so, Simpson. Oh. <laughs> yeah, wow. Jessica Simpson, for sure. I mean, Jessica was awkward in her skin. She was judged for being overweight when she wasn't. She was judged for over, you know, there's so many things that um, she, there are so many people she was compared to as a singer that, that you could literally, I could, I can understand why she, you know, she didn't always sing as big as she, she got to one point where she sang almost like, like no one could sing the way she sings. And I can see that as like a, in 2003 or 2004, and I can see that as her way of almost finally standing up and pushing out, you know, pushing back and saying like, give me my, stop saying I don't fit in my jeans and stop saying I'm the Southern this and I'm not, I'm the not Christina and stop, stop all that. And, and I'll invite cameras into my house and I'll show you who I am, but it's going to be on my time and it's not going to be on your time anymore. And, and MTV owns newlyweds. So, you know, she had to have a lot of trust with us in our department and, storytellers to accurately show you know her and i'll tell you what it's exactly she, she, she hit nail on it. i think she hit the nail on that i think she used that show to find herself i don't think she came into that show the same exact way on newlyweds i don't think jessica Simpson came into newlyweds as the same person that she left but i don't think she changed because of the show but i think she changed i think she used the show to change and she found that inner strength. And by the way, after Newlyweds, then she went and did like Daisy Duke on Dukes of Hazard. And there's like your <laughs> short shorts. And, you know, she worked really hard for that body type that she knew was a once in a lifetime look. And she knew she had to pivot. She had to set, set all that sex appeal into those boots because those boots were her plan to get to Macy's and to make her millions. And she knew that that's what she was, how she would leverage those platforms there. So I think Jessica Simpson is a great example of a star who came in um, as an introvert and, and, yeah. un, you know, very under, um, uh, I don't know, under, uh, not, un, 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 people didn't realize what, um, oh, yeah. okay. how misrepresented she was. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we know yeah. how big a, big a star she is today and uh, her journey would have been really amazing for that. Firstly, thank you for covering all the topics. Stuff. What yeah. happens to this podcast after you guys graduate? Does it go with you or does it stay at the school? Our essential idea with the podcast is just like help students 
is that because uh, we are in a juncture in our life where we do explore different um, professions and everything and we talk we talk about for our even for our juniors of how we, what all we have experienced ourselves and how we can help them through that and then we talk about with guests and uh, tell their stories and what we can learn from their stories and that's the basic idea so at the moment it's going on but we haven't really planned on what we well, do. Uh, yeah, I would personally wanted to stay because yeah, we we learned a lot in the previous episodes and yeah, it's a great it's it's great to meet new people and learn about them. So yeah, yeah, I love that. So one thing I like to add for our listeners here is that all of what we have discussed now is not only applicable to us and our podcast. So this is like a general application for your own brands that you have. Like uh, again, as I've said, that we know our friends who have like music pages, they have uh, painting pages, art pages, and everything. So all your brands, you can actually help. All these methods can actually help you grow, and you should like you can take tips and take ideas and implement that yeah so basically this uh, podcast we that we do is for students so we actually uh, had a question for you regarding that so what's what tips or message do you have for students who want to be producers uh, casting directors etc uh, who want to join the industry uh, like we are talking yeah who, who want to join the industry uh, right after they graduate have a hard skill know how to edit or photoshop or copyright have a hard skill as a creative that you can always bring to the table. Ideas do not count. Formats do not count. Great ideas for a TV show format does not count. None of that is unique or interesting enough to the buyer to you to even be able to hold on to it and protect it. To be really honest, yeah. have a hard skill and look for people that you can partner with. So if you have the ability to be social organize castings, um, you, you feel like you can find people and, and casting is your thing, then find a producer who can produce so that you can cast, he can produce, and then find an editor. It's like it's like a band, you know? If you play the drums, then you gotta find someone, if you're not the lead singer, then you gotta find the lead singer, you find the guitarist and the bassist, and, or or whatever unique sort of instruments you want in your, in your arsenal. But it starts with a hard skill. For me, my hard skill was in data organization not sexy at all, but I got my job at MTV because I knew how to organize VHS tapes before we had hard drives. I knew how to edit reels together by yeah. wiring two VCRs together instead of on an app or an iPhone or a computer. Um, and I was able to overcome, you know, those, those obstacles and that, that hard skill set saved me many, many times in my career as there are waves of people who get let go from me companies and there's like many reasons why things happen but that that those hard skill sets really helped me um stay at mtv for a decade and then ultimately launch my own agency where i still get to do all those very same things so hard uh, skill set edit write um produce uh special effects um sound effects um visual effects you know have a hard hard specialty um and and people have this, you know. There's this weird thing, jack of jack of all trade. You know, there's this weird saying that people cut in half. And now they say, you know, one wants to be a jack of all trades and a master of none. And that's turned into like a bad thing. And that I, that's actually half the phrase. 
the phrase is jack of all trades, a master of none is better than, oh gosh, I don't even know what the rest of it is, but there's something that goes on. You have to Google it. I yeah, promise yeah, you yeah. it's there, but it just goes yeah. to show that, that it's okay to be skilled in multiple areas. Some people are afraid slashers, you know, so I'm a slash this slash. It's okay, but just have one core strength. And then go back to Jennifer Lopez being a dancer versus an actor. <laughs> That's proof. <laughs> yeah. You just have to have one strong skill set and the rest of it will, will make sense. Okay. All right. My next speed right. question. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah so uh, this is something which we ask to all of our guests. And uh, the first question is that uh, what is the best mistake that you ever made in your life? Ooh, that's a, such a good question. Yeah. The best mistake. And it's, it's a thinker. That's a good one. You know, I, um, I intend so that, <laughs> of course, I'm going to give you this answer because this is such a me answer, but I intentionally make mistakes at the front of a project so that I don't have to worry about if I'm going to make one or not. And I use that mistake. I intentionally try to get lost. I intentionally try to lose my bearings. I intentionally try to lose my words and I intentionally try to shake myself up so that I don't bring all of my baggage and everything I know into other people's situations, right? So I work with other brands, I work with other people and they have a lifetime of momentum, you know, moving uh, slowly and quickly, you know, and with many assets in their life. So so showing up and, and really making sure that um, I don't rush because the, the mistakes I've made are where I bring my preconceived notion as Vinny Potestivo, the dude that grew up in Staten Island, which by the way is like Irish and Italian and that's it. So like, and here I am living in New York and I only know like two Vinnies. <laughs> I'm like, where's, I don't know. Like I was, you know, like I lived in, and my point is I lived in such a small bubble that even though I was this close to New York, I had no clue the level of diversity that had, you know, that was going on outside of my small bubble in Staten Island. And, and there are, <laughs> there are people that I didn't want to meet because their name sounded wrong to me, you know, and that's me, by the way, like, uh, <laughs> I never say this either. I'm telling you guys a lot of things. <laughs> Nelly. So I was supposed to take a meeting with Nelly, like the rapper Nelly. And I was like, Nelly. Yeah. That's like a weird name. Oh, wow. That's not, is he making fun of like, is he making fun? Like, and I'm sensitive about being like, I'm, I'm sensitive of my sexuality and I, I'm, I'm gay and I talk about it and I'm proud to, yeah. to be that, but I don't bring um, that into my, but I'm protective of this buzzword. You know, I'm like, is he making fun of us? Like what? No. And I couldn't be wrong. I couldn't be more wrong, by the way. What a wonderful man. But he always says, okay. thanks for not making me a DJ. Ah, so rude. <laughs> But yeah, bringing, okay. my, bringing preconceived notions. That's really yeah. the thing. And to be honest, <clears throat> and I lean on my Christianity to make sure, and I use that as my check to make sure that I'm not rushing to a decision and that empathetically I can stop to figure out what it's like to walk in someone else's shoes. And that that's helped me get out of that that situation that I could easily fall into because what you don't know, you don't know. Yeah, true. And yeah, that brings us to the last question of the podcast, that uh, any of the books or movies that change your life? Ooh. Um, this is such a great question. So yeah, I mean, mo movies for sure. Um, uh, I, I grew up in front of the TV, to be honest. And, and I'm, I'm thinking now, even just like there, there are so many, um, there, there are so many 
uh, made for TV movies that I would rush home and watch and I would study and I remember counting cameras. Um, but one of the movies I kind of want to give a plug right now um, is called Freedom Writers. And it came out in 2000 and it starred Hillary Swank. And I got okay. to cast all of the students in it. And I cast um, uh, 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 Benji and Joel from Good Charlotte and Mario. I, I, it was an awesome, awesome film. It was the first film I ever got to work on. And that, you know, I, I've cast, I cast television, but up until that moment, and I cast film. I put Beyonce in her first TV film, but it was yeah. just TV films. They didn't have the reach that, that films did. So I didn't, I didn't understand yeah. why yeah. film stars were so much bigger than TV stars until I did that movie. And it, it allowed me to realize what the universal message in Freedom Riders is an amazing movie. And it's a great example because yeah. many people of many ages and backgrounds have watched and continue to watch that show too. Um, the, the power in different levels of, of media. So um, I love, I love the freedom riders, but my favorite show growing up was the Muppet show. I also want to give a shout out to that. Like okay. I wanted to, you know, everyone wants to be Kermit or Miss Piggy. Like I, I wanted to be Scooter. <laughs> I wanted, you know, the dude who's like the, uh, the, he's like, he had the clipboard and it was like the stage manager. Um, I grew up in the in the golden like seventies and eighties of like Jim Henson and Muppet shows, and um, I loved I love that you can have a TV show based on ridiculous given circumstances, and that's literally what reality TV is. <laughs> Our TV yeah. shows based on ridiculous circumstances. Yeah, oh, that's that's amazing. And okay, this is like one improvised question: Is that Hey, Vinny, could you tell us uh, what artists you're listening to right now, and could you just chat <laughs> about them? <laughs> you're so tricky i know i listen to the, i listen my boyfriend pays for the for that for the, so it's always like i, I don't want to say it loud because i know siri's listening but i'm always like play andrew's pandora i know i like i like, I like paramore i like rock i like phoenix okay. i love phoenix um okay. uh uh the new mandy moore it's not out yet but i'm excited for it i've heard a little tiny little oh. bit i still Great. i love my pop culture i love my pop culture i still rock you know that's that's so 2005. That's like, <laughs> that's the best. Yeah. Some good times back then. <laughs> uh, that's just amazing. Thank you. So yeah, that we come to the end of the show. And yeah, thank you for joining us today. And this has been such an incredible episode. We've had so much fun. We've learned so much. Our audience has a lot to take from it. And overall, this has been amazing. So thank you for joining us. Vinny. Yeah, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you.